spark of your life, motivation, keep it moving, uh, all about improving, this here is a movement, conquer your life, uh, ain't no going backwards, time to overcome your challenges with Tristan Mathers, aiming to see the success, time to start living your best, positive changes, they creating a ripple effect, mind, body, spirit, all about resilience, welcome to the podcast, hey, let's get it, get it. What's up, everybody? I'm Tristan Mathers, and welcome to Conquer Your Life. Join me as I interview successful entrepreneurs from around the world, sharing their invaluable insights with you. Together, we'll ignite the fire within and unlock your limitless potential. Let's get it. I met Allison Wynn at a get-together for with uh, Miranda Jiggins up in Dallas, and she was there. We connected. We talked, and she's an amazing gal, and we were talking about the podcast, and she was like, what the heck, man? I'm like, I want to have you on here. Trust me. So now she's here and we're going to talk. She is a mindset coach and she's getting into that. And truthfully, I don't know a crazy lot about you. So if we can just dive straight there, uh, where, how'd you grow up and, uh, what got you on the path to, you know, your passions and where you're at today? Yeah, it's funny because I was going to say, I don't know a whole lot about you either. So if at any point you want to, you know, interrupt and add anything in, go right ahead. Um, So growing up, I had, let's see, an older sister, a younger sister and a younger brother. Um, My little brother had a different dad. My oldest sister, we didn't grow up with her, didn't even know she was a thing until Mm. we were probably um, about ready to go to high school. So that was interesting um family dynamic wise was not the best (laughs) we were in foster care for a little bit growing up and then my dad was in Oregon my mom was in California so we did a lot of bouncing back and forth there and multiple father figures and just was wasn't the best um situation growing up Mm -hmm. I gotcha um so how'd you end up getting to Dallas or wherever you're at in Texas? <laughs> so after, you know, pretty much everything that went on with the family, I went on to community college for a little bit because I had wanted to be a lawyer growing mm-hmm. up, um, more criminal justice. And it got more towards juveniles because my brother had a lot of um, run in with the law growing up. Mm-hmm. So that kind of made me want to get into that. But then as I was going through community college and I realized everything that it was going to take in order to actually be a lawyer, Mm -hmm. I decided that wasn't the route that I wanted to go. So I decided to join the military. I did just under four years in the Marine Corps. I got out early because I had surgery on both my feet. I was no longer able to keep up with the physical fitness standards. So Mm -hmm. I had to get medically separated and go through all of that. Um, But while I was there, my husband and I actually met on base in 29 Palms, California. Then Mm -hmm. we decided to get married. My family is all on the West Coast. His family's all on the East Coast in Massachusetts. So we kind of had to decide where do we want to go? My whole thing was I don't want to be on the East Coast, but we didn't think it was fair to be on the West Coast closer to my family. Mm-hmm. And no, no offense, I did not want to be anywhere north of Texas. <laughs> so we pretty much said, Texas it is. <laughs> right there in the middle. So what the hell happened to your feet? So I had, um, they're, they're called like bunions or whatever, like when the mm. bone kind of grows outward. Like yeah, like it's, and it's not supposed to, and it causes the other joints and the other toes to like overlap and things like that. But I didn't know it was a problem until I got in the military and the boots were killing my feet. And my drill instructor was like, well, it's just the boots. You'll be fine. But after three months, they, it still wasn't fine. Mm-hmm. So when I got to the schoolhouse, he was like, hey, the only way to fix that is through surgery. They told me to wait until I got to my unit. So I had the surgery done in my unit. Both of them were pretty much back to back. As soon as I recovered from one, it was time for the next one and had a couple months to get back to the physical fitness standards. And it just wasn't happening. Mm. So what was the biggest struggle? It just hurt too damn bad. Yes. The the pain was almost like unbearable, um, which it kind of sucks because it's, it's not much better even after surgery. Really? Um, the care. So they said that the surgery that I had was phenomenal. 
But the care that I received in the military afterwards was absolutely horrible. Mm. And so my range of motion is extremely limited. And like, I'm lucky if I walk around grocery shopping for an hour without pain. Mm. So I hear you. So even, <laughs> so even walking around on a day-to-day basis for too long can get your feet all jacked up and hurting. Oh, yeah. But I 99% of the time, I just deal with it. Because mm-hmm. there's really not much else I can do about it. Even at, at this point that I'm at now, since it's been about seven years since the surgery, they said pretty much my only option is a secondary surgery. And I mm. refuse <laughs> to go through that again. I gotcha. So it's, it sounds to be like quite the case. You know, I've heard of people having what you said, uh, the bunion before. Um, but it, yours sounds pretty extreme. Was it like a like a bigger bunion compared to others? See, not that I really know of. They just said my my only option was to deal with it or to get surgery and hope that it gets better. Mm. And so I was like, well, I'm not doing so well physically. And the Marine Corps is very big on the physical part of stuff. So I was like, I'm just going to take my chances and see if this makes things better. Mm. But unfortunately, with the care that I got, it made things worse. So bad to the point that I had to get out. Mm, so what what happened at the care? Like, what were they supposed to do and what did they do? <laughs> so I was told afterwards that they should have taught me how to walk all over again, like like brand new. Um, I was given physical therapy for one of my feet, not the other one. And it was little exercises like grabbing a towel with my foot or grabbing like marbles to try to gain back that that range of motion um i did that for maybe a month or two and that was it Mm. i didn't get physical therapy for the second foot i didn't get taught how to walk all over again so it just it just was not uh Mm. not par (laughs) i gotcha so before that happened uh you said you're in the marine corps for how long so a little less than the four years so usually a, a typical contract is four years I would have gotten out March of 2019. I got out October of 2018. Mm, so just shy you. of my four years. Yeah. Okay. So what did you do at the Marine Corps? Like, was there, I don't, I really don't know a lot about <laughs> it. I know that it's, it could be pretty nuts, but like, what was your job? What was your specialty up there? So I was an ammunition technician. So basically like a lot of warehouses that held different ammunition. So we would store it, inventory it, um, issue it out, receive it back. So whenever a unit was about to go do their practice, they'd come to us and say, hey, we need all this ammo. We would, you know, track it, put it on their truck. They'd take it out, do what they have to do. And then they, whatever they had left, they brought back to us. And we just repeated the process all over again. Okay. Well, that helps me understand you a little bit more. <laughs> um, so from when you got out of the Marines, it was what year? So 2018, towards the so, end of 2018. So, so 2018 to now, what have you been doing? So when I got out, we stayed in California for a little bit before it was time to come to Texas. My husband at that time was doing contracts with the Army. So he wasn't in the Army. We were civilian contracts, but they worked with the Army. Mm. And there was an exercise he was going to do that they asked if I had wanted to be part of that as well. So I went and did that with him in Virginia. That was um, interesting. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> they run a lot differently than, you know, the military does. Um, just being a civilian in the military is still different than how it was when I was in the military. Mm. And then once we got here, settled in here, um, I actually started an athletic clothing line, mm. but which I loved, but I think it was more so I needed something to do. And what I'm doing right now, I feel like was a passion of mine for a long time. It was something I should have done four years ago, mm-hmm. but I had this kind of hang up of like, I don't think I can do it kind of thing. Um, so I did athletic clothing line to give me kind of a reason to not pursue what I really wanted to, which, you know, I learned a lot from that, but at the same time, I do sometimes 
feel like oh, I wasted like four years. I could have been doing what I'm doing now, mm-hmm. but it was a great experience, but I put that on hold now to pursue the the coaching and the speaking and all that. Perfect. Perfect. And that's why you and Marshall got in touch. Yes. 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 Okay. Um, cool. Cool. So let's dive straight into it. Then I want to, I want to get to know what fires you up about speaking and being a mindset coach. Like what is your why? Like what is, does it stem from your, your childhood? Um, what is it? I would say most of it initially came from relationships that I had been in, in the past before my husband, they were not good at all. And I, when the, when I went through the first relationship, I was like devastated when I found out everything that was going on, a lot of cheating, lying, manipulating. And that was my first relationship. So I was like, I cannot go through that again. Like once it ended, I was like, okay, moving on to the next one. But I didn't do any inner work before I moved on to the next one. So when I got into the second relationship and I started noticing the same things were happening again, but Mm. since I didn't do that inner work, instead of being like, Hey, I'm done. I'm not going to put myself through this. I started denying what was happening because I couldn't believe it was happening to me again, that it was just easier for me to be like, I'm just going to pretend this isn't happening. And When it happened the second time, that literally took everything from me. And I then kind of realized like, okay, there's clearly something that I'm doing that is continuing to put me in these kinds of relationships. Mm. And so I took the time to do all of the inner work because I told myself, there's no way I could go through that emotionally a third time. Like, I don't know where literally don't know where I would be if that happened to me a third, (laughs) like Mm -hmm. there there was nothing left of me. I had nothing left. And so I did a lot of the work. And I think sometimes the funny thing about doing the work is when you don't have a way to gauge, if you've fully worked on the work, you get put in a situation that's like, Hey, are you sure you did the work? Are you Mm -hmm. sure you healed from this? And so I thought I was good. Like I did so much work. And then when it came time to meet my husband, um, he had a friend over in Japan. She came to California. She came to the same base and then she worked in the same unit as me. Mm. And I was like, oh, no, no. Like, I can't, I cannot go through this again. And so I kind of told him up front, like, this is what I've been through. This is what I'm willing to do and not willing to do where I'm okay compromising and where I'm not okay compromising. And I personally, for myself, I fully am like a person that does not think being friends with an ex is, is something you can do. Like, I just, I don't want that in the relationship. I don't care if it ended well between y'all or bad between you guys. Like it can't, it can't be part of this current relationship. And so once that occurred, I had to really ensure that I solidified that work that I did. So that way it did not happen a third time. And it was really difficult because, you know, he said all the same things everybody else said, like, oh, I would never do that to you. I don't want to hurt you. Mm. I wouldn't cheat on you. Like, I wouldn't do that. And so it was really difficult for me to be able to trust what he was saying. Um, But once we got through that (laughs) and he stopped, you know, communicating with her and, you know, let her know like, Hey, this is where I draw this, this line. And it's been great ever, ever since we've been married a little over six years and it's been fantastic. Awesome. So a lot of the things you said, you know, was very broad, you know, like, um, so I'm going to get into the nitty gritty details. Um, Number one, where I kind of want to start, is like, what is it? Because there's probably listeners that have been through similar mm-hmm. things. Um, what was it that your exes did that just messed you up? So there was a lot of the cheating was the biggest part for me because I knew it was happening and they would still lie straight to my face. 
as mm-hmm. if it wasn't occurring. And it, it it's difficult to bring up like, oh, I know that you're doing this because I checked your phone, <laughs> you know, like, like telling them how you have that information. Sometimes it is is hard because then they'll turn it on you like, oh, you don't trust me. Oh, you don't this. Why are you checking my phone? And I'm like, I'm checking your phone because I knew something was wrong. <laughs> you know, something was not adding up here. That's why I checked your phone. And that that for me was was the biggest problem because I you know, I would never do that to another person. And I'm one of those people that's like, look, if you want to cheat, like, if you don't want to be with me, just tell me and move on. You know, like, don't put me through that. Don't string me along. Like I'm the only one you're with when there's 10 others, you know, like, and I think the first one that made it really difficult was we were really involved in the church. (laughs) And so that one blew just everything wide open there. That was a mess. And I I think that the, the hardest part about everything was just the fact that I had allowed that behavior to continue from them because I can't control what they're doing, but the fact that I let it keep happening, I stayed way longer than I should have, <laughs> you know, that, that I think was hard to not beat myself up later when I was doing the work because I should have left long before it got to that point. Mm. And then it goes to my next one is what work did you do? What was it that really helped you break through to a new level to new level of understanding of self-worth of, you know, breaking through those trust issues, like help the listeners understand kind of what you did so they can hear what to do if they're going through something similar. So the very first kind of thing that I did was um, you got to feel the emotions. Okay. It's not going to be fun. You're not going to enjoy it, but you can't move past those emotions if you don't deal with them and feel them and let them out. When you bottle them up, it's going to come out eventually. And it's going to be a lot uglier than if you would have dealt with it from the beginning. So I had to feel all of that. And it was absolutely horrible. It was emotionally draining. It was physically draining. But I knew that in order for me to come out on the other side, I needed to get it all out of me. Mm. And after that, I did some, there was, I had read an article online because I was going through this all alone. I didn't, my friends pretty much were like, I told you so you're so dumb. And I'm like, okay, well that doesn't help. (laughs) You know, like I didn't have family. I felt like I could talk to these things, you know, about these things with them. And so I did it kind of all alone. So I was Googling some things because I was a massive overthinker very anxious, very kind of desperate and clingy when it came to relationships. And that stems back to childhood stuff. But I didn't know that at the time. And I came across this article that said, you know, when you're when I'm in that state of overthinking and freaking out to write it all down, Mm -hmm. close the book, wait until you're calm and in a better state of mind and then go back and read what you wrote down when you were in that worked up state because then you'll be able to see like oh, wow okay like that was kind of crazy like once you're in that better state of mind and you can look at that more objectively you're like wow okay I don't believe any of this mm-hmm. I didn't this is not how I am so how do I kind of tone that down a bit So then I started really getting more into being more mindful and aware of my thoughts and learning how to interrupt the automatic thought process. Because in order to change your thoughts and all those things, you have to first be aware of the thoughts you're currently having. Mm -hmm. So that was kind of where that foundation started. Okay. I love it. I hear it. (laughs) I've been through it too. Um, different things, you know, but that helped me get on my journey on, you know, I call it a just self-mastery journey, Mm -hmm. you know, Um, and conquer your life. The three things that you can control and just grow in is 
the only things that you are. And that is mind, yeah. body, and spirit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so I'm curious to know, like, how important is, you know, the gym or working out into the process of healing <laughs> and doing that type of stuff? So I love the gym. Um, and I feel like for me, it's it's not the same as a lot of other people. A lot of other people use it for stress release and to get out their anger and whatever else. I'm not like that. If I'm overly stressed or angry, I can't work out because it just makes me even more angry. <laughs> I have to be in like kind of a good state of mind. But the gym, what I like the best about it is because I kind of just zone out at the gym. Mm. So like I'm focused on what I'm doing, but zoned out in like my thinking, like I'm not worrying about anything. I'm not stressing over what I have to do later in the day. Like it gives my mind like a break (laughs) from everyday things, you know? Mm -hmm. So it, it just helps keep me kind of grounded and relaxed. I gotcha. I gotcha. Um, so if you were to if you were to take one of the biggest lessons that you have from your childhood and kind of like <clears throat> how it shaped you into who you are today like if you were to talk to you know a, a younger Allison what would you say to her going through those times Well if we're talking about an age obviously younger than 18 so before you really are Cause you can make your own decisions, but obviously you got parents and stuff like that, that do mm-hmm. kind of play a role there. <laughs> but I think understanding that everybody's doing the best that they can with what they were given, but that I don't just because that's the way that they are living life and what they decided to do does not mean I have to do the same things. Mm. And I started realizing that more and more, as I got older, because I started realizing a lot of the habits I had adopted were not habits I wanted to have. They were just habits I got from growing up. And it's like, okay, but do I really care to have this habit? No. Okay. So then something, I got to change it. I don't want that habit. Whereas I think a lot of people are like, oh, well, this is just how I am. It's like, no, that's not how you are. You got that from growing up. So to really take the time when you're younger to figure out who you are, what you want, which sometimes depending on how young you are, you kind of don't really know Mm -hmm. exactly, you know, the ins and outs of some of these things, but just being able to be my own person, (laughs) you know, like not having to think a certain way just because that's how my mom thinks Mm -hmm. or eat a certain way because that's how my mom ate growing up and just being my own person, thinking for myself, believing things for myself, not just because that's what I was told for 15 years, you know, really getting to the root of who I am. Yeah. What would you say, you know, a parent in today's world, you know, with what you're talking about, finding the inner you, um, what makes you, you like the decisions you want to make and uh, the person you want to become, right? What do you think parents today, mothers and fathers could do different than what your mother and father did? I would say mainly to just allow them to think for themselves. Like, even if you don't agree with your child, let them think the way that they're wanting to think. Like, don't immediately correct them on you know, things because, oh, that's not right. Cause I was taught this way growing up and now you're giving that to your child. So yes, there are obviously certain things that we've got to correct little mm-hmm. ones on, but when it comes to their thought processes and things that they believe, because at that, especially younger than like eight years old, they're still so connected to that inner being and there's they have such a big imagination and all these in a sense wild crazy dreams that a, a lot of adults would deem impossible like don't you know like shoot them down and don't you know try to get them to think the same way you think or believe the same things that you believe like let them have their own opinions and their own perspective and their own voice i agree i agree i believe that you know from 
I think, I mean, you, you have 90% of your brain growth from, you know, since you're born yeah. to when you're seven years old. Mm-hmm. So that's the most perfect time to allow them yeah. to be free thinking. You know, obviously correct them, you know, when they were doing bad, you know, tell them that, hey, you know, that's not good, blah, blah, blah. blah. <laughs> yeah. But whenever I have kids, you know, I want to make sure that I'm allowing them to use their superpower. Yeah. You know, when I was a kid, I was always super energetic. You know, mm. I couldn't sit still, you know, yeah. and I'd go to preschool or I'd come home and be like, no, Tristan, stop moving. And then I'd sit down and even tip still, like I'm sitting here right now. I know you can't see it. But my legs jittering like crazy. Jittering, yeah. <laughs> and uh, what I realized now when I look back, I was like, dude, I was being, uh, I was being suppressed. You know, mm-hmm. I, I would have learned a lot more, a lot faster, a lot better if I could have like ran around and did math. Yeah. You, you know what I mean? But we're supposed to sit there like a zombie, look up, a, uh, mm-hmm. listen to what I say, raise your hand. You can't go use the bathroom. You're, yeah. I, it's a, you know, one of my biggest problems is, you know, the slave mind. Mm-hmm. It's just straight up what I would call it. It's a, it's a slave mindset. Um, and to fight that because exactly what the world is doing and the powers at hand mm-hmm. and what they did to your parents. I mean, your parents sounded like, just the exact victim of mm-hmm. that thing that the elites are putting yeah. into uh, the generational mindset of continuing mm-hmm. that down the line. And you sounds like you've broken out of that, which is really cool. And I'm glad mm-hmm. we connected. Um, there's a point I'm getting to. I'm trying to figure out how I'm going to do it. Um, but yeah, that's that's what that's what I love about this podcast is like, Everybody I talk to on here has broken through. There's not a single person that is still kind of, I call it, you know, how Andrew Tate calls it, the matrix, you know, the Uh the programming that, because dude, I'm not kidding. I could walk down the street and I could look at somebody and be like, holy crap, they're an NPC. Like they have no idea. (laughs) They're they're not aware. They're just like, I'm doing my job. I'm not really happy. I'm not figuring out that I'm actually human. You know, it's just like that constant routinely basis thing. Yeah. And it just bothers the crap out of me, man. (laughs) I'm very grateful to break out of it at 23, but gosh, darn. It's just, it's evil, you know? I mean, I get to see it and, uh, you know, and just growing up into it, you know, in the school system, you know, I Mm -hmm. graduated in 2018. I get to see you know, all the quote unquote popular kids nowadays. Oh yeah. The opposite. Yeah. You know, it was just, it's so programmed. Like it's very obvious. And if anybody cannot see that nowadays, it just, I'm like, how? You gotta be like blind. You got a lot of closed mind, closed minded. Yeah. But but that's the thing. It's on purpose. They Mm -hmm. get to them when they're young like that. Yeah. Yeah. And then it has to, like for me, I, when I was six years old, I, I'm, I'm very confident this is why I broke through at such mm. an early age is because at six years old, I almost died. Mm. You know, I hit my head on a tree, super hard sledding in Colorado, mm. had my brain filling up with blood or my school filling up with blood. My brain had bruises on it the size of a half dollar. Jeez. And um, yeah, you know, I only, I wasn't supposed to live, you know, they said 15% chance of survival. Wow you know, your, your son's either going to be a, a vegetable when you get to the hospital. Cause I got to, I had to get put on a private airplane yeah. to Denver children's hospital. And they were like, you better be ready. Cause they couldn't go with me on the airplane. Your son's either going to be a vegetable brain dead. He's going to be dead or he's going to be in surgery. And if he survives the surgery, it's 15% chance survival. Well, mm-hmm. by the grace of God, I don't have any, I didn't, I didn't have to get surgery. They stabilized, they stabilized me. And I'll tell you why that's important here in a second, but I I survived, you know, the third day I was there, I walked out of there, like nothing happened, Mm -hmm. but but the doctors couldn't, they they had no idea why, what is it, you know, and conquer your life. There's three things that you can control. Like I said, the mind, body, and spirit. Well, early on, God put his hand on me and healed me. There's no doubt in my mind. I had thousands of people across the country praying for me because mm. my grandpa was a, a missionary mm. and uh, he just had tons of churches praying for me. They had, they sent me a yeah. bunch of gifts and quilts with stitches and <laughs> blah, 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 blah. Um, but the reason why I tell you that is two reasons. Number one, I'm only here because of God. And I want to ask you after this, what your spiritual <laughs> background looks like in your relationship with God. But two is that I have a feeling that I got, because I hit my head, I 
broke free mm-hmm. because ever since I healed from that, my mom said I was never the same. Mm-hmm. I had a different personality. Yeah. I was more angry. Mm-hmm. I, I was just nuts. And then because of that, I grew up very sheltered. And we can get back into my story, but I'm interviewing you. <laughs> yeah, but I was going to ask how that how hard that must have been for your parents Yes, to have almost lost mm-hmm. their, their child. Like I don't have kids and I don't plan to have kids, but I could not imagine yeah. getting a call like that or being there when something like that happens. Yeah. I was their firstborn. Mm. You know, I was my parents' firstborn. So it was very hard for them. You know, you have I was, younger siblings. I have one little sister. Okay. She got raised a lot different than I did. Yep. I was about to say that. <laughs> I was nuts, you know, but I'm grateful for it. You know, we all have a journey and a story. Oh, and yeah. I found this out. The I found this out in, in Montana when I spoke. I met uh, Herb. He's a psychedelic coach. Hmm. Okay. Very connected to God. And yeah. how, though, I was talking to him. I got to hear his story. He said that. He had, he had a traumatic brain injury like, I don't know, 10 years ago or something. Mm. And his brain was screwed up. Like there's still things he can't do. But once he mm. healed, like he's like one foot in the spirit realm and one foot in reality. <laughs> yeah. And he can like feel and hear everything. And mm. when he's talking to me, I'm like, dude, hold on. He's explaining it to me. And I'm like, I feel the same way. Yeah. Like we're, we're putting all these parallels together. And this is what, this, this is nuts. Found this mm. out. He said that shamans, you know, in, in the tribes, you know, they mm-hmm. do all this yeah. spiritual talking to spirits, blah, 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 yeah. doing whatever. I don't know. Whatever. <laughs> yeah. um, they said, he said that when they're kids, whoever is picked to be a shaman gets the sh- shit beat out of them mm-hmm. to the point where they have, you know, near death brain injuries because when they heal from that brain injury, they're no longer tied to um, mm. what happens or the programming of the world. You know, that's what you said. I was like, dude, that makes so much sense. I guess I'm, <laughs> I guess God said, you go hit your head on a tree. You're going to be a shaman. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I guess that all started because I, we were talking about the, the programming at hand and, mm. you know, like it just keeps getting worse too, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's crazy like I don't know I've no, I haven't had any major injuries like that just the surgery on my feet and my shoulder that's that's it. all I got I haven't broken a single bone I haven't like, either well they broke my foot for me in order to fix it but I've never broken anything yeah, either <laughs> I uh you know I maybe I have a cracked skull I don't know (laughs) I I don't know what that looks like I've broken my fingers and my nose but nothing crazy you know I always like to start there with the story because it's just like who would I be today if that wouldn't have happened it was Uh the scariest moment my parents entire life so um but yeah have you have you gotten coaching clients yet so Yes and no. <laughs> I'm not really sure how to word that. Um, so I haven't done my full packages yet, but um, the work I got a workshop coming up, a retreat coming up, I'm trying to get some in-person stuff done. Um, but as far as my full package, not yet. But mm-hmm. it's probably because I'm still not fully solidified in it (laughs) i'm still working all the fine details um like it's it's ready but at the same time like i want to make sure it's structured to an extent structured but also flexible because everybody's different but i also don't want to just hop on a call and be like okay let's get started and we're starting from nothing (laughs) you know like some at least some kind of you know, overview, which I've, mm-hmm. I've sat down recently and broken it all down and um, got the phases worked out and stuff. So just got to mainly get the marketing down. Not the best at that. Two things. Um, who's your, who's your client avatar? And uh, tell us more about these retreats and this, uh, this workshop you're doing, your virtual workshop. So I would say my, keeping it super general, would be more affluent people 
who are not happy, who are not satisfied. And why I say that is because I feel like there's a lot of people in this world that think, oh, well, you've got a lot of money. You must be happy. And that's not always the case. (laughs) I feel like there's actually a lot of people who have a lot of money that are actually like the most unhappy because they thought money was going to fix the problems and it it doesn't. Um, And if you don't do that inner work first, you don't ensure you're good to go first. The money, it might make a difference in the beginning, but over time, as things kind of level out, you're still just left with whoever you were before you had the money because you didn't do you know any of the work so a lot of it is because there's some people that just think like oh you can't have it all that it's either or you're either rich but then you don't have good relationships and you're not happy or you're happy you have good relationships but you don't have a lot of money and that's not true like you can have it all (laughs) but you we've got to work on that mindset around having it all. So Mm -hmm. that's where that main avatar comes in. I've got several avatars because mindset is a very general concept. Um, So I have, you know, obviously the relationships and dating stuff's a big part of it too, because that's where I had to have that transformation where I went through the biggest mindset internal shift I've ever done in my life was during that time. So that's a big one for me. Mm-hmm. And then what was, oh, you said the workshop. Okay. So the workshop is July 15th and 16th from 11 to 1 PM central time. This workshop, I actually changed it from the last workshop. Um, it still goes into roughly the same topics, but that one's just, more so about the foundational work, which is the inner work, <laughs> which starts with our connection to ourself. Mm. That's where that workshop is going to start. Like, how do we connect with ourselves? What do we need to do in order to connect with ourselves? Because I'm a firm believer that the most important relationship you will ever have in your life is the one you have with yourself. Because the moment you take your first breath to the moment you take your last, you are the only person that you are with from day one to the final day. There's nobody else that's, you know, with you that whole and your whole entire life. Mm-hmm. Obviously, you know, if you've got higher self, God, you know, what it, whatever you call it, but like person wise, there's, you know, cause some people are like, Oh, my husband's the most important or my kids or my mom. And it's like, no, you are, <laughs> you are the only person mm-hmm. that you spend your whole entire life with. Absolutely. An analogy I came up with recently, because, you know, my passions are very closely aligned with yours, you know, mm-hmm. the mindset, you know, and just helping people become the best versions of themselves. Yep. One of my biggest lessons in 2022, because that's when I was first figured out my purpose. And I was like, mm-hmm. man, I just want to freaking help everybody. Then I realized that a lot of people, they want the help, but then they won't do the work. Like what you said, they They need to do the work. (laughs) So that's, that's my thing. I was pouring so much energy in the people so much. I was pouring, I was pouring, I was pouring, it was pouring until I ran out. And I was like, fuck, why aren't they keeping anything? (laughs) So the analogy that I, I, I came up with is that if we look at ourselves as like a cup, some of Uh us are half full, some of us are empty, some of us are completely full. You know, I had to work on myself till I got to the point where I was overflowing, mm-hmm. but then I could pour my water into other people. Yep. Yep. But the thing that I'm realizing is that a lot of people have holes in their cup. Yeah. <laughs> yep. You're pouring and you're like, damn it. Why aren't you full yet? Butthead. But no, <laughs> yeah. it's because you have to plug those holes first. Mm-hmm. You know, do you have some trauma you haven't healed from yet? Mm-hmm. You know, like, what's going on? Like, wh- wh- why why isn't this working? It should. Yeah. Yeah. And the only, like, there's only so much you can do. Oh, yeah. You know, yeah. it's it's really like us as coaches and helping people, you know, it's really just asking the right questions to help them figure mm-hmm. it out themselves. Yeah. And then do that. And it it, it hurts. You know, I've, mm-hmm. I've went through a lot too. And, and anybody listening that is has went through shit and it sucks, 
You know, we all are human, like it or not. Mm -hmm. Some of us get a little worse than others, but we all feel the Mm -hmm. same shit. Some of it's a little stronger, some of it's not. But a lot of us in here have been sore before, right? Mm -hmm. You know, you've worked out a muscle, you're sore and you're like, damn it, that hurts. Mm -hmm. Then you feed that muscle Mm -hmm. and you know, and it starts feeling better. And you're like, damn, my muscle looks good. It's getting bigger. Yeah. (laughs) Well, it's because your muscles are healing and getting better through hard shit. Mm -hmm. Well, like everything in life is the exact same. You go through hard shit. Let's say, you know, you get in a horrible breakup and your heart's broken. Mm-hmm. You have to endure the pain that your emotions come that come in. And, you know, growing up, a lot of what the system is doing is like, oh, you know, you're depressed. Here's something to fucking mm-hmm. suppress the depressed. Yep. You know? <laughs> I'm a believer that the only way to truly fight the things that are going on, let's say bipolar, depression, anxiety, all these different things, you know, they all stem from something, Mm -hmm. you know, figuring out the stem, the root cause and allowing yourself to just sit and heal. Don't look at your phone. Don't do what I did. Don't do what some people do and numb it with drugs and alcohol. Mm -hmm. You know, all you're doing is prolonging the process of a healing journey and it hurts. It sucks. And that's the thing, you know, anything that people get in life that has gotten them to the next level or has gotten them to heal is going through shit, but then allowing themselves to feel that pain, Mm -hmm. you know, feeling that pain and healing from it, you know, you get your, cut your arm open it's gonna hurt it's gonna hurt it's gonna continue hurting (laughs) until it scars over and that scar will always be there Mm -hmm. but then you can look at it be like oh well that doesn't define me it's just a Mm -hmm. just part of my life that I had to go through to heal so yeah I know that you're probably tying a lot of parallels in there just want to know (laughs) if you had anything to add there yeah well really all I was going to add was that we all have two two choices when it comes to those things either we we let that define us for all of eternity of, oh, I went through this growing up and it is what it is, but I'm going to hang on to it. And I'm going to use that as an excuse to not learn and grow or do anything with my life. Or you say, okay, I went through that, but I'm not going to stay there. I'm not going to keep bringing that with me to the present moment. I'm going to learn and grow and move on from that. And when you can learn and grow and move on from that, it's going to be so much better because when something else happens again, that needs you to do the same thing. You already know what to do because you've already done it. And it's not going to be as hard or as painful or as long and drawn out as the first 10 times you went through it because you know what to do now. Mm-hmm. Yep. She's dropping bombs, y'all. Don't take that the wrong way. <laughs> Knowledge bombs. Yeah. Um, so I, I appreciate you saying that, you know, mindset's a big part of everything yeah. in life and is a big part of this podcast. So thank you again. Um, I wanted to say something what you said earlier, you're talking about, Oh, you know, I got to get this structure. I got to do this, 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 and this. I'm an overthinker too. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. So I just wanted to teach you something that I learned recently with Mm -hmm. coaching through Marshall and going, breaking through my own boundaries and everything. And it's that you don't have to have it all figured out. Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, the structure and everything's cool. You know, you just need a good mindset of it. You need just Mm -hmm. a starting point. And I'm telling you, Allison, once you start, you're just going to go because you're yeah. passionate about it. Uh-huh. So if I just want to say, if you ever catch yourself getting in those times <laughs> of just like, shit, yeah. I don't got it all figured out. I got to think of this. And then you're like, oh my gosh, what do I do? I just want you to just, just do it. You know, I know that you've gotten on a workshop before, you know, it's just continuing on doing it. Scary as shit. But yeah. you're you're definitely meant to do it. And that's another question I was gonna ask you is uh I asked you earlier, but we never touched on it. Like where yeah. where do you sit spiritually? <laughs> well, it's I always ask people what how far how deep they want to get into this because you know, religion's always an iffy topic. Let's go deep. I, I was gonna say I'm glad you said spiritual, not Alice religious. <laughs> Alice in Wonderland. Let's go down that route. Right. Hole. Yeah. <laughs> so growing up, we were in the church a lot. Like a lot more than you need to be. Okay. Christian. 
Yes. It was not just Sundays. Okay. It was like Tuesday, Wednesday, youth on Thursday, the occasional Friday and Saturday and the Sunday. Like it was, our whole life revolved around like the church and outings with the church and things with people in the church. It was nothing but church. And I often find that a lot of people who grow up in a nothing but the church environment are actually the ones that end up leaving the church. And that's pretty much exactly what I did. And now nobody's perfect. Okay. Even people that go to church, <laughs> you know. Um, but for me, the biggest thing as I got older was just kind of, so my mom was very, I think, the religion was kind of like, in a sense, her whole identity. Like if she didn't have Jesus, she didn't have anything. And that I personally think is the wrong way to look at it. And so growing up, it was always very, this is what the Bible says. This is what you must do. There's no other thinking. There's no other believing. There's no other. And this is the one way and the only way. And if you think outside of that, you're wrong. This is where I don't agree you know and my mom was very hypocritical now everybody can be and probably is at some point but it was very I'm telling you what the bible says and you need to listen but I don't have to listen because I'm the adult and I'm already all Jesus out I don't need any more kind of thing and as I got older, I started realizing that almost everybody at the church was like that. I started hearing stories about what was happening, you know, at pastors' homes during the week and, you know, whatever, because I was very close with some of the pastor's kids. And it was kind of like everybody did whatever they wanted Monday through Saturday, as long as they came to church on Sunday and repented and asked for forgiveness, it was fine to continue living the way that they were living. And I was like, that's, no, that's not how this is supposed to be working. And so I left the church um, because one, one lady at the church had told me, she said, you know, which I got into an argument with a guy about this at the gym, but we're not going to get into that. But um, she had told me, you know, you don't need the church in order to have that relationship and that connection. And so pretty much once she told me that, I was like, <laughs> bye. <laughs> you know, like, I'm not, I don't want to be part of this. I don't want anything to do with it. Just for the simple fact that uh, it was mainly what the church people were doing that was not in alignment with what everything said. So I was just kind of like, these people are whack. Like, they don't know what they're talking about. This is not even close to how you know, God's wanting you to live or whatever. So I actually had kind of started going on a journey of what if I don't believe in God? You know, like, like I started just kind of exploring things, right? Because I'm very open-minded. I'm very, there's not one way and one way only, you know? And so I started just kind of generalizing everything, getting more spiritual rather than religious. And that's when I think things started making more sense to me. Things started aligning more to me, not really putting a label on it. Um, and when I started doing that, what I've realized is a lot of religions are almost exactly the same. They all have that same foundational work. They all have relatively the same teachings, the same general concepts. It's just a different head person. It's, you know, God over here, but it's Buddha over here, but it's Allah over here, but it's whoever over here, or it's the universe over here. So I look at it as like more so that connection. So what I currently kind of a belief, I guess you could say that I subscribe to would be that we are spiritual beings, you know, we have that higher self within us and that higher self, some people would call God, some people would call the universe, some people would call whatever, but I believe that everybody has something in there. I just like to say higher self, um, but that, that connection there, and I do think it's extremely important to be spiritual and to have that spiritual connection. I just don't like when 
you know, people more so like shove their religion in your face. <laughs> you know, it's like, okay, I get you believe that, but like, slow it down. Okay. Like, I don't want to get into this. So that's pretty much where I'm at. And it's been fantastic. And I will say it's been a tad difficult at the same time because like, I don't tell my mom or anybody because I don't like having that religious argument because they're not open-minded. They're very, oh, you don't believe in God. So you're going to hell or you're whatever. And it's like, okay, I don't, why do you care? Well, I believe as long as you're good in your belief, it's, it's that's the, all you should worry about. Yeah. You know, like, It's the fear thing. You know, it's the fear of, oh, I want to see you in heaven. You know, it's yeah. very, it's like a, it's like a selfish thing. You know, it's, it's yeah. not for you. It's for them to see, you, you mm. know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but no, I'm very similar, very similar to that. Very, very similar. And uh, I think more people are coming to that understanding mm-hmm. and realization is yeah. because it's a, just like I said earlier with the programming, like it's right in your face, like generalize things, go through things, understand your own things and really figure out when you are programmed into something, Mm -hmm. you know, and so many people in those churches were pro like your mom and dad would probably programmed by their mom and dad. Yep. (laughs) Their mom and dad (laughs) were programmed by their mom and dad. Yeah. You know, but then who actually sat down and said, Hmm, what do I actually think? Yeah. Because I'll be honest, you know, I grew up Christian and, uh, you know, I, I was away from God. You know, I didn't really believe in God for from 12 to like 20. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, after going through hard shit, I realized that God was right there the entire time. And mm-hmm. I had to go through that to finally hear his voice. But the reason why I'm saying that, The reason why I'm saying that is because there's two type of there's two type of people in Christianity or in church or in religion in general. And that is the people that follow by the book. You have to do X, Y, and Z. You got to go from step one to 10 to go to heaven. Or there are the other ones that are, I don't know if the word's generalized or just figuring out their own relationship. I don't know the right word to use, but it's like, this is what I feel. I feel connected to God this way. You know, maybe the book says this, but like, what kind of life am I living? And Mm -hmm. I kind of look at other people like you're in the church, but you know, or do you treat your body right? You know, Mm -hmm. how, how do you actually think? Is it just a Sunday thing? And then you leave, you know, I grew up with my family doing that, you know, like, Oh yeah, we're Christian. We're doing this and this, we're going to praise God. But then as soon as we leave church, you know, it's a freaking, it's a different story. It's a whole different story. And it's, it's just fake. You know, I, one of my core values is authenticity. Mm -hmm. If you believe something, say it, yeah, you know, and don't have no judgment. Um, and you just pay attention to other people and see, mm-hmm. are they actually being authentic or are they just sharing a program that, you know, that somebody else put onto them? And yeah. there's, there's people waking up, you know, like you and I and other people, and it's cool to see. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's the obvious that it's like a 1% thing. Uh, yes. Yes. And, uh, I want, I want to, I want to do everything in my power to make that 1% into two into three. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Cause uh, the more that that happens, like my, just so you know, my general goal, my vision, and I want to ask you your vision next and then we'll wrap this up. My general goal and vision is to create as many masculine leaders as possible mm-hmm. to pour into the next generation to then pour into the next generation, mm-hmm. a program that is true. That is good. That is authentic. That is real. You know, because that's what we're missing. And if we can mass produce those men, which are the leaders, protectors, and providers mm-hmm. in a family household, that everything should fall in line. Because like it or not, guys do a lot of the shit. Mm-hmm. And a lot of them, like how you saw, are toxic. Mm-hmm. They don't know how to have their own feelings or their own awareness. Yeah. And just to do their own inner work and to figure it out, become that man mm-hmm. to then lead and do it the right way. So. That's my vision. Mm-hmm. What's yours? Which really quickly, I'd like to, I guess, kind of add to that in a sense. I'm, I'm glad that you said, um, or where what I got from it is more along the whole feelings thing. It's because mm-hmm. I feel like a lot of men, um, depending on how they're raised, they're taught that masculinity, but in the sense of we don't cry, we don't this, we, we're very manly, you know? And it's that I feel is in a sense worse than because because like 
So my husband is a little more emotional, but I love it because I can understand how he's feeling. I can understand where he's coming from. He's able to communicate his feelings to me instead of bottling them up and holding them in. And then I don't know what's wrong, but they have to put on this facade of I'm this macho man when really on the inside, they're like dying on the inside. Mm -hmm. And so I just wanted to, you know, I just kind of add that in there. Like there's so many men I feel that have a lot of mental health stuff, but they Mm -hmm. don't have resources or ways to deal with it because they weren't taught how to deal with those things. Yeah. And I grew up that way. Like I barely cried growing up, you know, and I've went through a lot of shit. We can talk about that some other time. But, uh, uh, you know, I'd never really cried. And now, you know, I could watch movies and start crying. I'm like, yeah, yeah, I can actually let it out now. It hurts though. Like, I'll be honest from a guy who has went through it, has numbed it down. It hurts. Like you can feel it in your chest, how it's just like, instead of going up and out, it's going down and in and staying there in like a hole. It's like a, like a, I don't know, like a, like a shit. I don't know what, what word I'm trying I, I to say. Get, I get what it you're saying. It feels like an orb, an orb of energy inside that weighs yes. a million pounds. Mm-hmm. And you're like too scared to let it out or something because you're going to look like a little bitch because you're crying. But and you gotta, you gotta find ways to do that because super quick. And then I'll tell you my vision and stuff. My husband recently actually had a conversation with him that um, our connection and our love is like, so strong that sometimes I can't get into it because I'll start, I'll start crying. I can't, I can't, it's so emotional for me, but he was like, you've got to, you got to work through that though. And maybe start doing it more often. So it doesn't become as, like you said, kind of stuck in there Mm -hmm. because it's, it's either I don't get into it or I get so into it that I can't stop. And now I'm just crying for forever because it's the greatest thing, you know? So it's a, you know, interesting, the way you described it, those kind of perfect. Cause that, that's where my issue is, is it's so deep in there that I don't want to just pour it out over everybody. (laughs) That damn thing is an illusionist though, because (laughs) I'm not going to lie to you, man. I call everybody man, by the way. Oh no, you're good. I I apologize. Um, But anyhow, shit, what was I getting at? Okay. It's a, it's like an illusion though. Cause I have done a lot of self work and figured out my mindset, my awareness, my thoughts and yada, 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 yada. You know, I've, I, I study this stuff religiously. Mm-hmm. I love it. It's my personal Bible. I just yeah. love <laughs> learning new shit about personal yes. development and stuff. Yes. But like the other day, I'll be honest, like I blew up on somebody I really love and care about. And I was mm-hmm. like, what the fuck? I thought I was dealing with my shit. Mm-hmm. But then I realized that's a new level that I had a breakthrough. Like, guys, mm-hmm. everybody who is listening here, you think you got it figured out? Bullshit. We never do. <laughs> we never do. I, I mean, I'm, I'm going to be totally upfront with you. I, I got some things figured out. Mm-hmm. But gosh, darn it. I'm always going to be learning. And it, yeah. and it was a big wake up call because I, I knew I was stressed and I was dealing with a lot. And it was just made me realize that there's an even deeper level that I can mm-hmm. be vulnerable. There's even yes. a deeper level that I could let this shit out. Even if I got to yell and scream and do blah, 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 all mm-hmm. by myself. And, you know, whatever it is, like, I know that at that point, I was like, damn, I could have lost like a really good friendship because mm. of this. Yeah. Um, but lucky enough, lucky enough for me, the person that that happened with understood exactly mm. what I was doing. And I got to, like you said, read it, read mm. what I wrote out afterwards. Cause yep. it was a big ass long text. <laughs> and I was like, damn, mm. after I let it out and wrote it down, I felt great. I sent mm. it. I was like, fuck yeah. You know? And then I go back <laughs> and I look at it and I'm like, holy oh shit, yeah. that's not yeah. me. That wasn't yeah. me. It honestly kind of feels, I mean, maybe it is, maybe it isn't. I don't know. It honestly kind of felt like I had like a demon. Mm. You know, like a, a bad energy that was inside that was just like, nee, 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 I'm going to ruin your fucking life. You know? <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, that's just my way of kind of yeah. putting it. But then you let that sucker out. Like, get the hell out of me, man. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you might hurt somebody, but, you know. But luckily that friend understood. Yep. You know, you can, yep. you can grow together from that, you know. Yeah. Um, but okay. Super quick. My yes. vision. Like, so general always it's just sometimes that's a little easier to explain without getting too detailed um i would say my so vision as in 
Well, okay, I'll just lay it all out there. <laughs> Vision as far as what my mission is, in a sense, is I just want to help as many people as I can realize that they do have the power <laughs> to create their reality. They do have the power to work through these things, to learn, to grow, and become, like you said, that better version of themselves. Like to realize that anything and everything that they could possibly pretty much need in this life, again, besides you know, food and a home and whatnot, is already within them. They just have to bring it out. They just have to activate it. They just have to realize that it's there and, you know, let it come out and grow. So that's my kind of mission. But my big vision, I guess, for my life in general is I'd like to be pretty much my version of Tony Robbins. Yeah, <laughs> I love everything that he does. And I love how his speaking engagements are more interactive and not to say anything bad about motivational speakers, but I'm not big on the motivational stuff because, you know, motivation again comes and goes. And sometimes after those weekend motivational things, they're fired up for a week and then they just go back to doing what they were doing. So how do you do week. it? Like when I, when I want to speak on stages and stuff. Yeah. How do you do it? How do you make so sure? I want to give them actual practical things to take home with them. Like not just, oh, here's all this motivation because I used to be here and now I'm a multimillionaire and I'm doing all these things and you can do it too. And they're fired up. But then what do they do? What are they actually, what do they need to do? You know, yeah. to actually get from how do they take from, it to that next level? You know, yes. And so that's what I want them to go home with some practical steps and actual things, you know, to do. Like, obviously, there's going to be some motivation in there, but I don't want that to be like the only you just came here to get fired up and then you don't do anything about it. <laughs> yeah. You know, very similar to you. You know, I see myself doing that, being that person, speaking on stages, pouring into crowds of people in a different way. Yeah. You know, something that I've learned that maybe you can put into practice, like a practical thing, like you said, that you can take <laughs> yeah. home and do. And ever since I did this, my life changed. So mm -hmm. if you haven't yet, anybody listening to do it. This is some good shit. I paid a lot of money to learn this. <laughs> um, write down your eulogy. Mm. And I'm telling you, you're the, the the divine mind, the divine consciousness, God, whatever, it will write it with you. And like, I didn't even have to think, like, I don't know what exactly off the top of my head, but it was like, Tristan Mathers was the one man who changed the world through uh, leadership in a way that nobody else ever seen before. And it affected seven generations nice. down the line, blah, 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 blah. And like, ever since I wrote that, like balls started rolling, mm, just kept yeah. going momentum, yeah. momentum, momentum. Because like you said, your reality is what you make it. Mm -hmm. Everybody listening here, I know it sounds supernatural as shit, which it is. It is. Because it's yeah. a God thing. <laughs> you have the power to make anything happen. Mm -hmm. Anything. Like there ain't no reason. Like, like oh, I can't fly. Why? <laughs> Figure it out, man. Yes. I don't know. Who said no? <laughs> right? Like, if, I always look at it like this. If you could bring somebody from like 1920s, to, to now, today, oh my gosh, they'd be losing it. <laughs> they wouldn't know what to do. Imagine caveman days, fire. <laughs> like fire. they had no idea that where we're at right now was a possibility. It was impossible in, to fly in an airplane. Yeah, like everything back then, like I just. It was impossible to talk on your phone. Yeah. And who knows where we'll world. be a hundred years after we're gone, you know? Well, like, <laughs> and that's what I'm saying. Y'all like the proof is in the pudding. In these yeah. last 100, 150 years, we have went through so much change and evolution. And the thing is, it was one person at a time. It wasn't like yeah. a huge group of people, really. There's probably under a thousand people that truly made the world how it is today. Yeah. Big minds did the work. And you think it was easy for everybody who made this shit happen? <laughs> no, they don't just walk up and say, yeah, I just created an airplane and uh, blah, 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 blah. No, they had to sit down blueprint it, test it, almost die, do it again, <laughs> yeah. blueprint it, test it, almost die, you know, and yeah. it's, everybody has a purpose. Everybody has their unique thing. And too many of us aren't chasing it and finding it. And that's my mission to change that shit. Allison, where can they find you at? 
Well, I've got Facebook. So I'll just start with the easiest way. My email is elevatedaspectscoaching at gmail.com. Facebook, TikTok, and YouTube are all just elevated aspects. Instagram's the only weird one because it was already taken. So it's elevated period aspects with an underscore. (laughs) There you go. Everybody who listened to this, go check her out. Go give her an ad. As you can tell, she's a lovely lady and has an awesome (laughs) heart. And uh, if you found this valuable, reach out to her and talk to her. She's she's great at conversating and she's... Mm -hmm. A breath, a breath of fresh air. Um, but Alice, anything else you want to leave this podcast with? Just that I, I appreciate you having me on here. So thank you. Absolutely. Well, to everybody who was watching this, always remember, it's always time to conquer your life. Till next time. If this episode resonated with you, or if you know somebody who needs to hear it, don't keep it to yourself. Share it far and wide to anyone who crosses your mind. Send them a text message, an email, a DM on social media. Take a screenshot if you have to and share it to your stories on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, or Snapchat. I also want to express my gratitude for the incredible support and the five-star reviews on iTunes and Spotify. Your reviews help the show reach new audiences who might have never stumbled upon it before. By listening, they have the opportunity to open their minds and potentially change their lives. So please keep those reviews coming in and let's continue to make a huge impact together. Till next time, everybody, this is Tristan Mather signing off. And remember, if you want to make the world a better place, you must first look at yourself and make that change. Conquer your life.